<laughs> Thank you, George. Could you read that? I, I, I said something with the kazoo this time. Could you read it? I'm not just blowing smoke, friend. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying something here. George? Yes, sir. Ain't many guys blow it that good. You can reset that, please, if you will, because uh, <laughs> from that comes the, uh, the uh, basic theme of our text tonight, congregation. Yes, indeed. There's a little... Uh, the, the basic text comes from a cartoon. I'm, I'm a great fan of cartoons. I'm not talking about the strip cartoons. I never look at those much, but uh, I'm talking about the single-panel cartoons. You know, the little thing... And here's one from, of all places, the Christian Science Monitor. See, it shows this guy, see. And he's coming into this door in this office, see. And he is really swinging. He's tap dancing. I mean, he's got his cane going. He's got a straw hat. He's waving. And here he goes. Come on. Here he goes, see. He's coming into the door, and he's he's really swinging. He's tap dancing, see. Everybody's like... And he's singing. Five of two, eyes of blue. He's singing that song until, you know, the caption simply reads, Five foot two, eyes are blue, but oh, 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 what those five feet could do. Has anybody seen my gal? And where is he going? He's going into the Bureau of Missing Persons. What at the... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, hey, do you ever... You know one of my favorite... Uh, one of my favorite subterranean radio... True underground radio station. Nobody ever talks about it. WNYC. You hear some wild, groovy things. For example, uh, every time I hear one of my favorite radio shows in the middle of... Uh, you know, they'll be doing something like that. You'll hear Scarlatti and all this elegant stuff. And suddenly the announcers say, and now we take you to the Bureau of Missing Persons and the officer in charge, J.W. Watanabe, patrolman first class. Then you hear, ah! You know, obviously there's all kinds of stuff going on in an office. And then he starts, uh, we are missing persons, lost a six-foot-nine-inch man, age 422, last seen wearing a green, a green windbreaker, uh, brown shoes, and he was wearing white duck shorts, lost in the vicinity of Greenwich Avenue. Female, white, three feet, nine inches tall, 406 pounds, last seen wearing a gray poncho, and apparently was wearing a beanie with a propeller on the head. Uh, lost. A, uh, and there's always a pause. He always has trouble reading. Lost. Uh, uh, a, uh, Dalmatian puppy. No, no, that's the other list. Uh, lost. Uh, a, uh, a, a female, 
uh, of indeterminate color, 6 feet 9 inches, 46 pounds, last seen wearing a burlap uh, burlap gunny sack skirt, uh, was wearing uh, sandals, uh, was seen on the Bowery, and uh, last seen in 1962 by her relatives in the Bronx. And now we return you to our station. That was our broadcast from the Bureau of Missing Persons, and now we return to our regular broadcast. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's real radio, man. Eyes the two, eyes the blue, but oh, 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 what them five feet can do. Has anybody, has anybody seen my gal? Oh, she's something else. Oh. Turned up nose, turned down hose. She's a flapper all the way. Has anybody seen my gal? Carson tried that. Five foot two, eyes of blue. Has anybody seen my gal? That just, you know, somehow that, uh, that, uh, it just, it just fits, don't it? Hey! That reminds me, uh, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of, uh, that, uh, you know, that, uh, particular scene, I have a little, you know, the, the whole pop culture thing just, uh, just, uh, it's, it's, it's ready. It's ready to blow up all different ways. In fact, you know that uh, I have a little note here from Tokyo. Uh, one of Babe Ruth's authenticated baseball caps has been offered for sale to the Japan External Trade Organization. Now, why, you know, why uh, Babe Ruth's baseball cap being offered for sale in Japan? Well, because he's a, he's a bigger national hero than he is here. Well, that's a fact. I mean, Babe Ruth is like, uh, you know, like uh, King Kong or something to the Japanese, you know? And uh, one of the funny little sidelights of the Japanese uh, hang-up on Babe Ruth is a buddy of mine, a friend of mine, was, uh, he was on one of the islands, you know, on the Pacific during uh, World War II, and the, he said he couldn't believe it. See, he's, uh, he's, you know, he's a 17-year-old gyrene, you know? 
And uh, they land on this place there, and a lot of stuff flying all around the place, and yelling and hollering, and he's laying in this hole one night. And, uh, you know, he's scared out of his skin, and every once in a while something will go, buck, 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 stuff flying over him. And, uh, you know, he just he just figured it was all over. Nothing's, you know, nothing's going to happen yet uh, that's going to save him, see. And he's just laying there, dug in as much as he can dig, when all of a sudden he hears his voice say, Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, so, Yankee, you listen to me, Yankee. Babe Ruth, Bob, Babe Ruth, Bob. What the hell is this? And he hears his voice again. Yankee, my man, you listen. Babe Ruth, bum. Babe Ruth, a big bum. What the hell is this? And he lays there in the hole again, and every couple of seconds, he goes, Some automatic weapon opens up in the darkness, and he sees the tracers going over his head. And he lays it. You know, he's just hanging into that dirt, but he can't figure out what he's hearing. So he thinks, what's is my mind going, or what's, you know, what's happening? And then he hears once again, Hey, you Yankee Marine! You listen good, you Yankee man! Me, Japanese Imperial Officer, I say to you, Babe Ruth, big bum! Babe Ruth, no good, you come out fight! Babe Ruth, no good! He says the Japanese were trying to make the Americans mad by hollering, Babe Ruth is a bum. They wanted to jump up and say, What do you mean, Babe Ruth's a bum? You know, he says, No way. <laughs> He's later, he says, Then he realized that the uh, that the east is the east and the west is the west. The great uh, ne'er the twain shall meet. And uh, apparently the Japanese would jump out of their holes and come running forward if somebody hollered, Babe Ruth, bum, you Japanese, huh? <laughs> this reminds me, speaking about, this is W.O.R. New York. Yeah, oh, by the way, you know what it's going for, the Babe Ruth's hat over there. It's, uh, the, the cap was found by a uh, an authenticated uh, cap finder, apparently. The cap was found in Yankee Stadium in 1935. It was found in a locker or something there. The cap has Ruth's name inside of it and has been authenticated by the Yankee front office is actually the cap belonging to Babe Ruth. They want five grand for it, which isn't much. Not considering what a lot of bad stuff is going for in a lot of the galleries around town, I'll tell you. I mean, it isn't much, really. It's an authentic Babe Ruth cap. And uh, I don't know whether they ever sold it or not. Just a little note. You know, that, that uh, speaking of that, I I, uh, I had a chance one time to buy something like that. This friend of mine was, a, was you know, was a real auction nut. Have you ever gone to auctions? I mean, I mean real auctions. I don't mean the kind of auctions we, you know, down Atlantic City where they bring you in and, and all these ladies with the blue hair sit there and bid on these diamonds and stuff. I'm talking about real auction, you know. Where it's all out in the yard someplace, and and uh, they got a couple of trucks, and there's a sheriff or somebody up there, and he's banging away with the gavel. That's an auction, and people all sort of stand in the weeds, and uh, wait for something good to come up. Well, this buddy of mine said, he said, listen, he said, uh, he said, I got a chance to go to this auction. He said, I'm going to go out to auction. He says, outside of Philadelphia, scene at the time I was living in Philadelphia, and uh, you know I was, uh, yeah, I was very innocent. Uh, uh, when you look back on your life, you know, you can see about five million fantastic things you missed because of your innocence. Oh, God, innocence is a terrible disease. I mean, it's one of the worst. I'll tell you, one of the worst diseases I ever knew. Um, you know, I, oh, yeah, listen, there was the time of that, that chick outside of Washington. You know, this fantastic girl that uh, that I knew that I couldn't figure, you know, I couldn't figure I could even get within, you know, four or five hundred yards of her. Say, and... Uh, 
I'm uh, sitting in the cafeteria one day. This is in, you know, innocence does you in. You know, I'm sitting in the cafeteria, and this girl comes up to me and sits opposite me in the cafeteria. And she says, uh, gee, she said, uh, are you having difficulty with the, uh, with the, uh, with the differential equations that uh, Mr. Mr. Quimby's been giving us? And I said, yeah, I have been, but uh, I'm doing them all right. She says, oh, I'm having such a terrible time with the differential equations. And I said, oh, is that right, Pamela? You know, I figure she's going to ask me to help her do the, the, the problems. You know, so there's certain kinds of guys that only get asked that kind of stuff, you know. When, when the real stuff is passed out, they're somewhere out in, you know, out in the driveway outside of McDonald's. You know, they're not where it's really. So I said, well, uh, gee, I'd be glad to help you, you know. <laughs> gee, you know, it's the only way I could get close to this girl, help her with the differentials. She said, oh, uh, she said, oh, I, I, I don't want to do it here. She said, I, I'm, uh, I'm right now I'm doing an assignment for, uh, for medieval history, and, and I don't have time. She said, however, um, well, uh, you know, I live in Chevy Chase, uh, <laughs> and uh, my parents aren't going to be home the whole weekend, and I just thought it would be kind of nice if you came over Saturday afternoon and uh, helped me with my differentials. What the hell do you think I did? Well, I don't even want to tell you. I, I, I might as well. I'll just tell you what innocence will do you. I said, well, t well, gee, I said, Saturday afternoon, Pamela? And she said, yes, uh, anytime Saturday afternoon. Anytime at all. I said, well, gee whiz. Me and Corky were going to go and play tennis down at the indoor courts all Saturday afternoon. And she said, well, you can make it Saturday night. I said, just as well. I said, well, gee, uh, Oh, gee whiz, Pam, I, I, Pamela, you don't mind if I call you Pam? She said, no, please do. I said, gee whiz, Pam, me and Corky was going to go bowling after we finished playing tennis, and then, you know, we figured we'd go out and have some pizza, and gee whiz. She said, well, you can come after bowling, you know, nobody's going to be home, just me. Said, well, oh, yeah, but, uh, gee, well, I will, you know, be bowling till 10, 11 o'clock at night. So anytime. I said, yeah, but i got to get up early in the morning, Sunday, you know. <laughs> yeah, me and, me and, you know, we was, uh, you know, we were going to get up early in the morning. We were going to go down and... She said, well, that's all right, then, if you don't want to come over. But by the way, she said, uh, if you wanted to come Saturday night, uh, just don't hesitate to call. I don't have to tell you. What did I do all Saturday? Yeah, me and this guy hit tennis balls back and forth. That night I went bowling, and I ate pizza, and I went to bed. I got up very early, and I went out with this other guy. We went out and helped him put up his antenna that we were going to do. And anyway, the whole weekend went down the drain. And so about Wednesday, I'm sitting in the same cafeteria, and up comes this guy I knew. A guy named Smedley, as a matter of fact. He comes up and he says, oh, man. He said, I'm just about getting back into shape. My God. I said, what, Smed? He said, did I have a fantastic weekend? He says, you know this chick, Pamela? I said, yeah. He says, my God. Fantastic. She came over and asked me if I'd help her with her differentials. <laughs> differentials, what a joke. He said, I didn't leave there till 4 a.m. Monday morning. Oh, what a fantastic weekend. She never asked me again. 
<laughs> if I could ever get back into Hammond High, knowing what I know, oh, man. Well, that's another story. But uh, nevertheless, on this, this occasion, this guy says to me, so you like to go out to this uh, this auction? I said, sure, all right. You know, what the hell? I don't have anything to do. So we go out to the auction. And it's being held in some kind of a farmhouse, you know? And uh, I've never been to one of these auctions. I've been to other auctions, but I've never been to this kind. See, I've always been to the kind where they have this place, you know, there's a guy up there with a with a lectern and all. But this is an auction out in a farmyard. And they've got all kinds of stuff sitting in the in the weeds there that they're auctioning off, like a chest of drawers, and there's a hat racks and, and a kitchen table and all that, just pictures and stuff, see? Well, I'm standing in the crowd there. There must have been a, maybe 7,500 people there, see? And uh, and I'm watching the auction. Well, you know, I had a little job that I was doing after school. I must have had maybe 15, 20 bucks in my pocket. So, I, you know, I was healed. I was carrying, you know. So I'm standing. So I had I had no excuse for what I did. I'm standing in the crowd. I can't believe what I see in the middle of all this ordinary-looking pap. There's nothing. See, all kinds of bad-looking stuff. You know, like uh, horse collars. Uh, you know that the pokers for the furnace. You know, it's the kind of stuff you really need bad when you're going to school. You know, this stuff is all around. They had, you know, a chest of drawers, and they had a bookcase full of old Sears Roebuck catalogs. Not you know, see, and he, the the guy is up there. He's laying it out, see, and and uh, he's auctioning this stuff off. It's a sheriff or something. I can't believe what I see. Right in the middle of all this nothing stuff is a gigantic statue. It's totally out of context. A great big statue. I look at the statue and I can't believe what I'm seeing. It's an eight foot high statue of Babe Ruth. In color. It's colored. He's got his bat and he's just about to swing. He's not just standing there looking out gummy. He's in his complete Yankee uniform and he's standing uh, at the plate. It was it was on a base, you know, this this uh, statue was on a great big base and there in the base was the plate you could see a plate and he's standing there he's just about you know that that famous stance you've probably seen pictures of the famous Babe Ruth stance with his feet very close together and he would lean forward slightly you know with his his wrists cocked and uh, yeah he stood with his feet right together sort of like a big bow shape so he just standing like that and he had his cap pulled down low NY on the on the on the peak of it, you know, you can see this is this is Babe Ruth, and he's about to lace into one. And I look at that thing. This is an eight foot high statue of Babe Ruth. Well, I thought that's a great thing to have. And so they're auctioning off all the horse collars and stuff. And finally, the auctioneer comes to the comes to the the, the thing I'm looking at. See, and he says, "Now, ladies and gentlemen, we have over here a genuine, authenticated statue of Babe Ruth." The Old Bambino himself, the Sultan of Swap, uh, Babe Ruth, this statue is a genuine statue, and you'll notice that it's in genuine lifelike colors. It's eight feet, six inches tall, and would make a magnificent addition to anyone's lawn. We have the statue of Babe Ruth now going. Who will offer the first offer? We will take no offers less than $5 for the statue. We'll offer $5. Some guy puts his hand up. So I'm standing in the crowd, see, and the only time in my life I've ever, I was ever moved to offer anything, on, you know, by, on, a, on a statue or anything else. I, you know, first of all, I, you know, I, I never uh, bought anything in auctions. I went to them, but I never bought anything. But here's a statue of Babe Ruth, eight-foot-high statue. And if there's anybody that's in, more into baseball, you know, than me, I'd like to know. And Babe is towering. He's fantastic. I, I don't know whether you've ever seen an eight-foot-high 
slugger standing at the plate made out of, I don't know what it was made out of. It looked like concrete or something. And there he is, beautiful statue. He's got a bat, big Louisville slugger. See, he's ready to dig in there. It was really impressive. And the pinstripes, the whole work, see. And, and uh, I, I said to myself, gee, that's a great thing. So here's a guy standing next to me, some guy in overalls. You know, he puts his hands, ah, five dollars. Well, so without thinking, I leaped into the fray. I said, uh, five fifty. And the auctioneer says, five fifty is now bid on the Sultan of Swat. Sultan of Swat going once. We have a five foot, five dollar and twenty five, five dollar and a half bid going once. Going once. It is number seventeen on your catalog. It is a genuine eight foot six inch high statue of Babe Ruth, the Bambino himself. You'll see that he's in full uniform. Now, come on, you can do better than that. We have five fifty going twice. Some guy out in the bushes hollers, six dollars. Well, now we start all over again. You know, I'm out of it right off the bat. You know, six bucks. So with that, he he picks up this. He has a hammer, so he starts hammering away. He's let's go, let's go now. Six dollars bid on Babe Ruth. Six dollars, Babe Ruth. Big old Babe Ruth over there. You'll notice he still wears his number on the back of his uniform. Who can forget Babe Ruth, the Sultan of Swat, a true American hero, the great Bambino himself, wearing big number three on his back. There he goes. He's getting ready to hit his home run into the right field stands at Yankee Stadium. I now have six dollars once. Anybody going to go? Six dollars twice. Well, something said to me, bid six fifty. Unfortunately, most of us have another voice deep down within us. That's the voice of the chicken. Within every one of us, there resides a chicken. And sometimes he surfaces, sometimes he doesn't. Invariably, when he does surface, you can be sure it's bad news in the end. Well, I could hear that chicken, see? He says, and now we have Bambino going once for $6. Bambino going twice. For six dollars, and I think I got a bid on this thing, and I could hear the chicken go. Bah, 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 bah. You know what the hell you're going to do with a bambino, salt of swat, eight and a half foot high, salt of swat. I said, "The hell with you, chicken." Six seventy-five. Ah, thank you, thank you. We have a bid for six dollars and seventy-five cents. Six dollars and seventy-five cents. Now, come on, ladies and gentlemen, this is ridiculous. This is the Babe Ruth himself, Babe Bambino, the Sultan of Swat, the hero of millions of American boys, the world hero that all of us know and all of us love, Babe Ruth, the only man alive who's ever had a candy bar named after him. This is Babe Ruth, the Sultan of Swat, standing up at the plate at Yankee Stadium. And by the way, it looks to me from where I'm standing, that's an authentic Yankee Stadium plate that has been embedded in that magnificent, beautifully carved base. Babe Ruth going once for $6.75. This is a terrible thing, ladies and gentlemen. Babe Ruth going for $6.75. Do you understand what I am saying? Babe Ruth going for $6.75. Going twice for $6.75. I'll bid $7. Son of a gun. I had it right in my hands. Well, a spirited bidding then began. Somebody raised it to seven and a quarter. It got up to seven seventy-five, and I thought to myself, "I better bid. I better bid." And that man is standing up there. He says, "Ladies and gentlemen, we do. Got, gonna have to get on to these other 
Other lots now. We don't have all day now. It's getting dark now. We're going to have to move right on. It's $7.75. Going once. $7.75 going twice. Gone for $7.75. That quick. He moved it. And that farmer comes up. And he takes a look at his Babe Ruth. Little tiny shrimp. The farmer weighed about 12 pounds. You know, the kind of, the last guy in the world, you know, who should own an eight and a half foot high Babe Ruth. Now, what made that, that ding dong bit on that, I don't know. He just looked at it, you know, and he paid over the 775. He took out this wallet. When he opened it up, you could see moths flying out of it, you know. That kind of guy, see, and he just opens up, he lays the dough on him. And I just stood around, sort of watched. It was kind of raining a little bit, see. Raining a little bit. I'm fooling around. A couple of horse collars went, you know, six bits. Somebody bid, the, you know, bid a bookcase up to a dollar and a half. Finally, I said to my buddy, I said, come on, John. I said, I'm getting bored. Let's go. You know, we get in this car. And I, while we're driving out, I see this farmer with about six other guys. They're loading Babe Ruth in the back of a pickup truck. You know, he's going in sideways. They're putting him in. Well, that ain't the end of the story, friends. I mean, it's 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 irritating. To begin with, uh, what would I have done with an eight-and-a-half-foot-high Babe Ruth? I was living in a dormitory about the size of your average closet. But it would have been kind of groovy to have it there, you know. That would have been a hell of a, you know, roommate. But uh, I don't know. I just wanted it. And I didn't bid on it. That chicken took over at the wrong time. I could hear that chicken. He was getting louder with every bid. You know, buck, 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 ah! You got a big date Saturday. Ha <laughs> ha. You know, what are you going to do? You know, save your dough. Save it for a rainy day. What are you going to do? You know, don't let them do it. They're cheating you. That day. It's made out of cardboard. Yeah. Well, many of us go through life like that with chickens clucking away inside of us constantly. Many a chicken has led a guy right down the primrose path to destruction and anonymity. Oh, yeah. Many guys. I mean, look, many a guy's afraid to divorce his wife because of that chicken. That chicken's a. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, see? Well, anyway, that's the way life is. you got to put up with that big old chicken. And so I did, you know, the chicken won out, and on the way back, you know, the chicken's purring away down inside of me. Because once the chicken wins in you, the chicken feels a great sense of a victory. You know, this is a victory for the chicken. And the chicken went, bah, 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 bah. you know, bah, 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 bah. and I felt, you know, when the chicken wins, you begin to talk like the chicken. And so my buddy John says to me, he says, how come you didn't buy it? You know, that looked great. He says, you know, if I, if I was living alone, I think I'd have got that Babe Ruth statue. And I said, oh, well, after all, it's probably not, uh, you know, it's uh, not a very good statue. And, and uh, what the hell, uh, what would I have done with an eight-foot statue? And you couldn't have put it in the back of the Nash here. You know, ridiculous, you know. He had, a, he had one of these little Nashes, you know, the, the Metropolitan, the kind with the 40-horsepower Austin engine in it, you know. And uh, we had lucky to even get a shopping bag, you know, full of old bones in the back of that seat there, see? So I'm making up all these reasons why it was just as well that I didn't buy it. So I get back to my dormitory, and gradually Babe Ruth faded out of my mind. I had a few sleepless nights, that was all. Now I'm going to lay upon you why this is one of the great tragedies of my life. Shepard is sitting in a barber shop. You know, you never expect to get the, the truth laid on you when you're sitting there waiting to get your hair cut. You know, and there's a pile of old papers and old National Geographics and stuff like that sitting there, you know. 
you know, this, you know, all those old magazines, raggle taggle Playboys and and the ripped up magazines. So I just picked up a magazine at random, and it was one of these uh, one of these crummy looking men type magazines, you know, with a cover that says "I shot 422 Japs at Iwo Jima." You know, it shows this guy blood pouring off of him and a machine gun in one hand. You know, and he's got an M1 in the other, and he's throwing grenades with his feet. You know, you've seen those, you know. <laughs> Inside the real story of a land of Amazons, you know that that uh, you've seen those magazines. So I'm looking at this rotten magazine. I just leave and went. What the hell do I come across? A full page picture of the Sultan of Swat. It wasn't Babe Ruth. It was the statue. Do you know what the caption read? No, friend. $103,000. One hundred and three grand. the Sultan of Swat went. The Babe Ruth statue, which I had ignored completely, I read the story, was done by a leading sculptor of the 1930s. It was done for a private client and it was done from life and the piece went on to say that the sculptor had been lost for many years. You damn well right it had been lost for many years. That little shrimp with the overalls had it behind his barn. That's what that said it was discovered by a Philadelphia art collector, restored to its full pristine beauty, and went to a West Coast museum for 105 bananas. I read that, saying I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, while I'm sitting there reading this piece, I hear down inside my gut, bark, 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 that damn chicken! I said, listen, chicken, I had enough of you, chicken. You've been giving me bad advice all my life. <laughs> I said, if I ever listen to you again, chicken, so help me God. If I ever listen to you again, I deserve anything I get. <laughs> okay? And ever since that time, George, have you ever wondered why I don't seem to give a damn for anything? Right. I never listened to the chicken. That chicken keeps yelling. He is in a pen now. Matter of fact, I may even have him with a little barbecue sauce one of these days. Do him on a hibachi. But I never listened again. He's told me a lot of bad things. But somewhere in a museum right tonight, with dim lights on it, I can just see by the 21st century... There will be great bands of thieves led by George Hamilton. You know, George Hamilton's always in these uh, jewel robbery, museum robbery things, you know. He'll, they'll be lowering him down from the ceiling with the suction cups and the, that rubber suit they wear in all those movies. And they will be attempting to steal the priceless Babe Ruth relic worth billions. Ain't nobody out looking for a second-hand chicken, authentic used chicken. I've never told this story in the air for obvious reasons. It is a sore point. 
And, uh, <laughs> now, yeah, now, what made me do that? I don't know, you know. I could have got that statue. Not the money involved. Not the money. Not the money. Although that would have been kind of nice. That's kind of nice bread to see coming in, you know. But it isn't the money, George. It's the fact that I doubted my artistic judgment. That deep inside of me, I was making a gut judgment. And we often do this. What is a gut judgment? It's a judgment that says, without any thinking, there's no intellectualizing. It just says, it's great, grab it. That's a gut judgment. Now, I don't tell you that you should always obey your gut judgments because uh, I have known many people who have followed their instincts, but they never had any good instincts. So they was always following the wrong, you know. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, what bugged me is that I knew somehow that something said to me, that's great. That's a fine, great statue. Now, since that time, I've had many, many chances to buy concrete Mexicans. I've had chances to buy... Uh, well, I, I know where I can get a set of seven dwarfs. Dopey, grumpy. I, I, I can buy plenty of uh, plastic pink flamingos. But I forever missed my chance. I'll tell you one other thing I missed out on. It's kind of bugged me since. It's really bugged me. Do you know that I once had the chance in another auction to buy the stuffed head of an authentic male African elephant. Now, that's a hell of a head. That's, that's, with the trunk, the trunk was curled up. I mean, it, it was fantastic. It would have filled this whole studio. I could have got that for maybe 25 bucks at the time. I don't know what it would go for now. But what a great thing to have. I don't, I, you know, uh, it's, it's not in the same league with that Babe Ruth. But somehow, you know, to sit under the trunk of that elephant... At night, you know, when you're watching an old Tarzan movie, somehow, it, you know, it's just, it's just a personal thing. I, uh, I got nothing against elephants. I almost bought another thing that same day. I could have got myself an umbrella holder. You know, an umbrella holder? You ever seen an umbrella? No, I don't, I'm not an umbrella man, but they had an umbrella holder. See, it was filled with canes. I could have got an umbrella holder filled with old canes, but the umbrella holder was made out of the hollowed-out foot of a hippopotamus. <laughs> It had the knee even there. Big, you know, he's got toenails, you know. It I booted it. Could have got that for about $4. Probably the ugliest thing I ever saw, but gee whiz, you know. Not every guy's got a hippopotamus foot sitting in the corner of his room, you know. And what stopped me? I'll tell you what stopped me. What stopped me from buying it? I'll tell you. So, friends... All I can say tonight is the moral of tonight's little little sermon. Those of you in the congregation, for God's sake, stop listening to that chicken. Forget it. If Hitler listened to that chicken, he'd have still been messing around trying to put up wallpaper in Vienna. That's right. If Attila the Hun had listened to the chicken, he would have been a sheep herder in Lower Bavaria. Right. If Mussolini had listened to the chicken, Mussolini would be still today selling pretzels in the Rome Railroad Station. And you're going to say to me, yeah, but those were all bad guys, but they sure as hell got there. That's right. 
So all I got to say, friends, is that chicken, that... <laughs> that little voice down inside, that's the worst thing that happens to a man. Yeah. My God, ain't it the truth? Five foot two. Eyes of blue. But oh, 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 what that five foot could do. I said, hey, yes. My God. W.O.R. New York.